So really nice to see you all. Um, as you know, I'm not Saira Huntejaniya. Sorry to disappoint you. Um, he is here, and he is conducting the retreat. And it's kind of the last few years, he, on these retreats that he runs, decides that um, on the first night, not much gets absorbed. People are still arriving. There's a lot of you know, things that are still settling in the mind. So rather than put energy into um, giving a lot of practice and other guidance on the first night, he really wants you to just really settle in, just feel relaxed and, and arriving. Um, so tonight will be kind of brief, um, giving you a sense of the, retru- the retreat and the schedule. And just generally how things are going to be laid out during the time that we have together. So I'm just curious how many people are new to Gaia House. Anyone not been to Gaia House before? All right. You might just look around if you're interested to see if you're in good company if you're new. I'm also new to Gaia House, so hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so warm welcome to you and then to all those that have practiced here before. Let's see. So, uh, so I assume most of you have probably come uh, on the retreat specifically because Saida is teaching uh, on this retreat. If not, you'll get to discover a little bit um, the flavor that Saida Utejaniya teaches. And his um, format's just, you know, it's a little bit different. He uh, does give, it's really Satipatthana. A lot of times people ask me, you know, what is it that Saida, uh, Saida means teacher, Saida uh, Utejaniya. Uh, what, what does he teach? Because it seems sometimes a little bit different. And he always says it's, you know, it's Satipatthana, but he really likes to give a lot of emphasis on how to practice rather than what to look at, what to pay attention to. Uh, gives a lot of information about the practice itself. How are we using our mind in the practice? And the way the day is set up, this, the schedule is really in support of that orientation. So in retreats, um, oftentimes there's a lot of formal sitting and walking. And the emphasis in this style, and I think the, the schedule will be posted after this sitting, or this uh, meeting tonight, um, you'll see that there is a lot of um, open time. And the idea there is not to not practice, but to really think about practices happening all the time. And so it might seem a little bit wobbly at first. What do I do? Where do I go now? Do I go into the hall? Do I go get a cup of tea? Am I being lazy? Am I practicing too hard? So those are all the kinds of things you know, that can come up uh, when we're not told specifically on retreat when to practice or in what form. And this will really kind of be flushed out during the course of the retreat, um, during the group interviews. Um, you know, this is, uh, we feel a little bit different. Um, so just recognizing that that might be something new to you. Some of you might have practiced in that way already. Um, you know, just an opportunity to explore that. And you'll get a sense, if you really give yourself to this, um, why it is that's, that uh, Seidel likes to frame or the schedule in this way.
we were um, going over the schedule uh, this morning. And rewrote it a little bit. Um, I just want to say that um, Saito is here with his translator, Matet. Um, and she's um, been a longtime translator of Utejaniya's, and it's a real delight to have her here. And you'll really get a sense as to how well they work together. And the real privilege it is to see them kind of in their um, exchange back and forth. Um, I think Matet at one point had lived in Shweyumin, the center in Burma, for about maybe 15 years, translating for him. Um, so she really knows his mind quite well. He does understand a bit. He seems to understand a bit less when Matet is around. His English seems to really drop off, but if you, you know, get a chance, and you can say something to him. Um, so she wanted to rewrite the schedule a bit, not the schedule, but the phrasing. And so you'll see, uh, like 5.30 is the mindfully wake up instead of just wake up. 5.30 to 7 is mindful in all postures, activity, walking, or sitting. And then at 7, it's mindful breakfast. 7.45, mindful work period. And 9.30 to 12, just skipping a little bit mindful in all postures, activity, walking, or sitting. So you get a sense that the word mindful is being used a lot. It's just sort of thrown in there. It's we're not trying to do anything to you, like to, you know, hypnotize you into being mindful, but it's just a reminder that, you know, mindfulness is something that we can do all the time. We don't need to, and this will be, Seidel talks a lot about the amount of energy that we need for a moment of mindfulness. and he wanted me to say that you know, mindfulness, when we really let it be natural, we really discover how easy a moment of mindfulness is. It's very easy also to forget. You know, we forget that we're sitting, we forget that we're seeing and hearing. And then as soon as it's mentioned again, some mindfulness comes back. So the ease of that, and when we really approach that ease of mindfulness and really watching the effort in our practice, um, rather than just focusing and targeting on the object, we find that we can really do this in an ongoing way, and the mindfulness becomes more natural to the practice, if that makes sense. So this will be, of course, uh, talked about a lot in the coming days. So tomorrow, specifically, at uh, 9 o'clock, there'll be instructions in, the, uh, in here with Saida. That will probably go for some time, an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and it will really be the, the time during the retreat that uh, Saida will really lay out his full instructions. He doesn't give Dhamma talks. Um, his, his real style of teaching is back and forth with you in your practice. And so what he does is in the beginning of the retreat, which will be tomorrow morning, rather than keeping you up tonight and having the mind drift everywhere, hopefully you'll be refreshed tomorrow morning a little bit. And at nine, um, so really to emphasize to make sure you're here and kind of rested to, to really absorb those instructions. And so for that time, um, he'll, he'll give uh, his, his full uh, instructions for the retreat. On the subsequent days, at 9 o'clock, he'll, draw, he'll be giving instructions during that sitting, 
but it was, it'll be more of a, a guided meditation, okay? Uh, let's see. One more thing to say about the schedule as well is uh, in the evening, there will be uh, another sitting. It's when you look at the schedule, really the only sitting that will be uh, a group sitting that we'll do, we'll do together is a nine o'clock sitting uh, in the morning. And then in the evening, it's an optional sitting at 8.30. We'll go for about half an hour. And what I might do is um, drop in a few uh, reflections or things that were raised during the groups and I'll be sitting in on the groups. And so some things that maybe were emphasized during the day I might drop those in during the sitting. And that's optional sitting. If you want to come to that, feel free. If not, uh, just continue practicing. So during the course of the the retreat, um, you'll be having uh, four interview groups with Sayadaw. There'll be large groups. Think about maybe 17 or 18 uh, people in the group. That might feel a little bit daunting. The group will be broken up. Uh, each interview group, each meeting, um, eight of you or nine of you will have the priority to, to report to Sidal, ask a question, whatever it is. Um, and so that'll be a priority. And then the next round in that group, the next set of eight will go first. So there's a 17 or 18 in the group, eight are reporting, the other nine or so are listening. And then if the time allows, the entire group can continue to, to uh, dialogue and ask questions. The interview groups uh, will run probably about an hour and a half, potentially two hours. I want you to really um, get a sense that this is re- where the teachings from Seidel will really most come alive, um, to really see them as a chance to, to really listen in. So. It's very easy during interviews to sit there and kind of contemplate, what am I going to say? And there's a lot of people here. I want to say something interesting. Um, But this really is a chance to just kind of show up, listen to the flavor of what's going on. There's nothing to get right. Um, Even if you've practiced for decades or if you're brand new, whatever it is, however you're arriving to this um, container, just meet it, you know, one moment at a time. Um, yeah, and, and these these meetings with Seidel, um in the group settings, he won't be doing any individual uh, sign-ups. There's just too many with just one teacher. So just to recognize that's where a lot of the teachings will come from. Um, and you'll have four four meetings. Because of the, the number of groups, we'll have three groups. Um, some of the, you might have an interview um, on one day, for example, tomorrow, and you might have another meeting. So let's say you have a meeting tomorrow morning. You might have a, a, the next meeting the day after in the evening. So I just want to say don't assume that your group will be two or three days later. It might be the following day, and it might be two days later or three days later. And I'll, I'll just give you reminders to, to really check the board because those, those interview groups really are precious for you to show up to.
So any questions at the moment about the schedule so far? So question I assume you heard was, are we allowed, allowed to attend the other groups? The, because probably everyone would like to, or most people would like to attend the groups, we would end up having the meetings in here. And we found that having the groups too large um, tends to really limit the sense of comfort and ease that people have in reporting. They're already big groups. All of the interview, interviews will be uh, recorded and put up on Dharma Seed. Um, which is just, I just, in saying that now, I want to say that if um, you are going to speak about something that's sensitive or you have spoken about something that you really feel that even though your, your name is not said on the recording, you'd rather not be there, please let us know and we'll do our best to take uh, that off. Um, these teachings really are listened to, a, to by a lot of people around the world, and it is a real gift to um, have these um, group interviews recorded and shared. So um, just want to say thank you at the outset if you are willing to just uh, um, participate in that. And there's already been a number of retreats from IMS and Spirit Rock that have been recorded. Maybe some of you have listened to those, and they're really such a wonderful uh, support to people around. So the answer is no, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, I think we just did a retreat at Spirit Rock and the requests for to sit in, it just were too many, so really had to restrict it. Where, where will they be held? They'll be in the, I think it's called the lounge. Okay, is that right, the lounge is next to the library. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to miss the... Other than waking up mindfully, there's actually no sitting, I guess. It says 5.30 to 7... Uh, mindful in all postures activity. Actually, Sidal did say to me to, um, to really encourage anyone that wants to sleep in and get rest in the morning. And that's actually true for the duration of the retreat. We are putting a bell out there so that you do kind of get encouraged over time to um, give some energy to the practice, but please get, get rest. In fact, Sidal has often said, you know, he would prefer the first two or three days if it's an extended retreat to just let people sleep 12 hours a night because people are so exhausted. Um, but it's best to come as rested as you can to the instructions tomorrow. And there's actually no f- um, formal sitting until we come together at 9. Breakfast is at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do we come in and out of the hall at any time? That's um, the nature of this retreat, and that will be part of what um, will probably come up during the discussions and maybe in, in the instructions as well. Um, the nature of how to practice with the conditions that we have. And one of the beautiful things about this format a bit is you will find that it's not such an abrupt end at the end of the retreat that 
this really flows very naturally into practicing this way in as we move off of retreat. And, you know, if we're really valuing the moment-to-moment ease of mindfulness, regardless of circumstances, actually allowing the circumstances to be a little bit not the way we want them to be can be of some support. Okay, and this will, this will come out more. So, yes, um, we'll come in and out as, as you want. Um, not during the one, the sitting, let's say, 9 o'clock or in the evening at 8.30, you know, to come to those on time. But otherwise, be mindful coming in as you're sitting and listening to sounds, just noticing the, the irritation, if that's what's there or not, whatever comes up. Um, so this will be part of the practice that we'll talk about. Yeah. Okay, and um, just want to say also about walking. I think one of the things that said, um, has been asked, maybe was mentioned uh, during the coordinator's talk, is um, yogis in general have been asked not to do any walking meditation outside the grounds. Um, and so I think maybe that was said on one of the tours. But because Sidal really encourages people to be natural, what his phrase was something he said to me. Uh, he said, practice like nature. So that's his English, practice like nature. So, which he's trying to say, you know, be natural. So meaning, move at any, you know, move in a relaxed way, not too controlled. So when the body gets controlled and moving stiff, he finds sometimes people can get stiff in the mind. Um, so his encouragement, it's going to be during this time to really move in a natural way. If you wish to move slower, rather than scare the neighbors, uh, when you're walking around on the streets and we look strange when we're walking really slowly, so in a way it's a friendly gesture to not uh, do things that seem abnormal, at least in this culture. So we ask if you, if you are uh, gonna be doing some slower walking to do that uh, on the grounds, but feel free to um, find any place that uh, you'd like to walk around. Um, we've I've joked with Saito that the yogis are his, and when he's teaching, they're like free range, organic yogis. They just go wherever they want, and the practice seems to be kind of this organic, natural practice. So feel, feel free to, to practice where you wish. Okay, any other last scheduling or how the day flows? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular instruction to read the yeah, question about the book and the uh, other reading. Did, were you giving other reading materials as well? Only the book. So I think, was a pamphlet given out to some people? So there may, there may have been a pink pamphlet. Was that not handed out? Yeah. Some people, yes. Anyone not get the pink? Okay, some of you. So you might just check in with the reception. It's a, it's a really well put together um, piece of instructions that Sayadaw had given on another retreat. So even though you'll be getting virtually that uh, material, this is a written form, so as you want to, you can come back to it. And the question was how to handle the book that was handed out. Because um, oftentimes on retreats, the noble silence means also not to read or not to write. I got a note about writing. Uh, can one take notes on this retreat? And actually the encouragement on this retreat is to read uh, and read this book. Um, it's not because it's the Bible, but it's because this is the flavor in which Sadaw teaches. 
And it's a very practice-oriented book. They come directly out of people's questions and his comments back to yogis, places that are confusing or just reminders. So rather than reading it like a novel, you just pick it up and you know, as you feel the need or the inspiration. Um, over time, you might also find it interesting to see what it's like to lose the mindfulness when you're reading, and then sometimes the mindfulness might come back, so you start to explore reading uh, with awareness. Um, so it's there as a support, and actually to be encouraged to look at it. Um, not to read it all at once, because the mind will get tired, but to really use it as a support. Anything else? Okay. I just want to say about the etiquette with uh, Sidal being a monk. Um, you know, some people take uh, interest to pay respects, which means to bow three times. Um, can, can you hear me okay? I, I just, okay. Is that just a gesture? Or a little bit difficult? Oh. Okay. You can, okay. Um, and that's something that's, you know, cultural that is done in, in Asia and many people find it of, um, and they, they're interested to pay respects to, to the Sangha. Um, so in the interview groups, we might, um, I'll ask Sidov how he feels about it, but in the last retreats, as Sidov comes into the room, um, people have, decided to bow three times, fully optional, as you, as you are interested. When he comes in on the morning sitting at 9 o'clock, actually we're asking you not to do that. He really wants you to just um, continue practicing. And he'll come in, and it'll be as, a bit like he is walking in into your own practice momentum. So you're sitting, and he'll sit down and just continue practicing, and then he'll start offering some reflections. So rather than interrupting your continuity and potentially losing the mindfulness, he'd rather you just stay very natural and relaxed um, and no need to, to bow at that time. Okay. All right. And then um, I just want to say a few words about being uh, on retreat together. We do uh, refuges and precepts. Um, is anyone not familiar with the refuges and precepts or not taken them before? One person, two people. Okay, so three people, um, four people, great, so enough of you. Um, and maybe some shyer people. So uh, one of the things that we uh, do on retreat is um, at least talk about the refuges and the precepts in a way that's setting the atmosphere, or the container, of um, being in this uh, space together. Any space we go to has a general feeling or atmosphere. And there's a certain um, environment that's created when we all come together with the intention of uh, the Dhamma, of being aware and waking up, watching our minds. Um, and generally, uh, holding the space in a very respectful way. Okay, so the refuges uh, are known as the three refuges or the triple gem. That's taking refuge in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, and the Sangha. So the Buddha uh, is on some different levels. It can be said on the awakened being, 
that woke up and fully understood the nature of suffering and the possibility of ending of, ending of suffering. Or it could be about the possibility of our own awakening, Buddha, the Buddha to awaken. Um, any way that you wish to kind of reflect on that quality. And this is, this is really something that, you know, you can just kind of take in and listen to and see if, you know, if it resonates. And over time, you, know, you see your own relationship to this. Taking refuge in the Buddha and taking refuge in the Dhamma. And Dhamma can be translated as uh, the way things are, and the teachings on suffering and the ending of suffering. Reality is another way of saying Dhamma. So taking refuge in the way things are, the possibility of awakening and ending suffering. And then the third is a Sangha. Uh, sangha could be seen as all those beings who have practiced uh, to, to the point of some deep realization and have actually realized some of the teachings. But it also can be seen as the Sangha means community, community of practitioners. So we might be seen together as a Sangha in this immediate space that we are practicing here and supporting one another. You know, if we were to actually come on this retreat and be the only one on this retreat and try to come into this hall and practice we'd find it actually very lonely and quite difficult to continue to show up, uh, be reminded, or try to remind ourselves. It's very powerful to come together and practice together. So that's, that's uh, the refuges. And the precepts. Um, precepts is the, uh, the ethical conduct that we share in this space. Um, the first five precepts, um, we say, well, actually, the first five, there are eight precepts, and some of you have signed up for eight precepts. Um, the first five are the ethical um, ways in which we'll uh, kind of honor being together in a way, and it's an agreement that that's the, that's the spirit of our being together. So it's the first one is uh, non-harming. You might, you could check, look at your sheet if you're not familiar with these. The first is uh, refraining from harming not killing. The second is to uh, refrain from taking what's not given. So really respecting, uh, respecting property um, and non-stealing. The third is to refrain from acting out sexual energy. And for the purpose of being on retreat, um, it, uh, it's really any sexual energy at all to acting, acting that out in lay life. The refuge is more to not harm through one's sexual energy. But in this, on retreat, um, refraining from any sexual energy, any, any sexual activity. Just want to clarify, sexual energy is a natural phenomenon. Um, so that's not something that we can stop or control, just like thoughts or pain in the body or whatever phenomenon. Um, but we do choose whether or not to act out, and that's something we can try to refrain from. Uh, the fourth is false speech, or to refrain from lying. In this uh, precept is really where we also talk about the essence of noble silence. And although some of you might be really familiar with Seidel's um, teachings, and sometimes on longer retreats, there really will be a, long, a period in which um, he actually opens up the container to talking and speaking. On this retreat, it's a nine-day retreat. We might do that just on the last day or so, but because it's a shorter retreat, uh, we really are going to enter into the noble silence together. Okay, so at the end of this um, session this evening, 
we'll really enter into that silence together. Then um, you'll you'll get a sense that it's not a it's not a uh, forced or rigid silence. So you're not not being asked to tiptoe around in any way, but just as much as you uh, can, just, you know, just keeping to yourself. Um, and hopefully we'll see, but potentially the last couple of days, um, Sido really does like everyone to get some opportunities to, once the momentum has been built, to even allow even a more natural state of uh, being, which means we are social beings, and to, to practice a little bit speaking and listening. Uh, but we'll flush that out as we go to see uh, if there's time. And then the fifth is to abstain from taking any intoxicants that might agitate the mind. And then the sixth, seventh, and eighth precepts, which are really optional uh, precepts. And if you wish to either come on to the eight precepts during the retreat or to let them go, if you have decided to sign up, that's uh, up to you. We do ask you that if you're making a change to let, um, I believe it would be a coordinator now or, or... yeah, leaving a note for the coordinators um, because they do uh, put juice out. Um, so we need to know roughly how much juice, and maybe this has already been said, but um, so we're trying to keep track of how many people are going to be on their eight precepts. Um, so the sixth precept is to refrain from taking uh, food at uh, afternoon. The seventh is to refrain from dancing, singing, and these other unseemly shows, apparently. <laughs> And then the eighth is to refrain from the use of high and luxurious seats and beds. So really, uh, the taking of the the last three precepts, um, you can see, is a bit of a renunciation, um, of putting the uh, awareness more on uh, how our minds tend to engage in our life and gives us a bit of more boundary just to observe our own habit patterns. Um, But very, just held very loosely and optional for you. So I'd like to do right now is uh, do call and response. Um, and so I wanted to just um, do the opening homage and then the refuges. Um, and he said not necessarily to go through the remaining chanting of the precepts. We'll do the namotasa together and then the refuges. Okay, and we'll do call and response. <coughs> Namo tassa bhagavato, Namo tassa bhagavato, Arahato, Arahato, Sama sambudasa, Sama sambudasa, Namo, Namo. Sorry, I'll, I will. I've not done this that many times, so. <laughs> Let's do the remaining two chants. Uh, I'll do the full chant and then just repeat together. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samasambhundasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samasambhundasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samasambhundasa. And together, 
Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Buddhang saranangachami Buddhang saranangachami Dhammang saranangachami Dhammang saranangachami Sangham saranangachami Sangham saranangachami Dutiampi Dutiampi Buddhang saranangachami Buddhang saranangachami Dutiampi damang saranangachami Dutiampi damang saranangachami Dutiampi sangham saranangachami Dutiampi sangham saranangachami Tatiampi budang saranangachami Tatiampi budang saranangachami Tatiampi damhang saranangachami Tatiampi damhang saranangachami Tatiampi sangham saranangachami Tatiampi sangham saranangachami And since we all agree to the uh, precepts, if we'll just chant the, fa- the last line at the end of the precepts. Idam me silam, idam me silam, magapalanyanasa, magapalanyanasa, pachayoho tu, pachayoho tu. Well done. Thank you for taking the precepts or agreeing to them. Um, that last line is, uh, may my conduct conduce to attainment of the highest fruits of liberation. And uh, a lot is said in the Dhamma about the keeping of the precepts, this the value that they give to the support of the mind, the sense of ease, the sense of non-regret, non-remorse. So it's a really wonderful thing that even just coming on retreat and engaging in this kind of noble life for this time has such a powerful impact on the mind. So you wanted to say, um, as much as there's space, if uh, anyone needs to do lying down in the hall, if you want to um, do that, please feel free. We, we are limited in space in here, so as much as it's convenient, do that. Uh, you can do that. Otherwise, um, of course, you can practice in your room. We're not in any way telling you uh, where to practice. That's absolutely up to you. Um, um, but if you do wish to be in the hall with the support of being in here together, um, and you need to do some lying down. If it's, uh, if you can find the space, I see where it's somewhat limited, and you might just ask a coordinator help to do that, um, to set that up.
Okay, just before we close, any um, things, any last questions that uh, you need to ask before we kind of jump into going forward? Uh, will there be any formal metta practice? Uh, unless uh, Sayadaw surprises me, there, there won't be any formal metta practice. Um, and uh, that's something, you know, that you could uh, kind of bring out in the interview groups if you have any questions about metta. Um, it's one of the, uh, he, you know, he's, his orientation tends to really be focused on the Satipatthana Sutta and seeing how uh, the mind, when it's practicing with right attitude, inclines towards the sense of metta. And you might just, you know, you can you know, bring that up during the interview groups, but there won't be any, any formal periods of practice. And if you wish to, uh, you know, ask him about your own practice or if that's uh, something that you would like to pursue, you might just raise it with him. But I would say for the sense of building the continuity, and if, particularly if you're newer to what Saida is offering, there's something that's quite subtle about trusting the ease of the awareness rather than the, uh, a little bit more effortful style of placing the awareness on the breath or on the body or on the reflection of metta. Trusting that sense of ease of awareness. The mind can naturally know anything or something in any given moment. And that that process, in a way, takes a little bit of time to build naturally. And that if we, if we give it a little bit of energy, but then we find nothing's happening and we switch out, um, you might not be giving yourself full, really full opportunity to, to explore um, you know, the kind of a little bit of flavor that Seidel's offering. And if you, you know, if you, it's up to you how you practice, of course. My encouragement would be, if, particularly if you haven't practiced with Seidel in this way, um, so that going in and out of metta versus another style is really of ease to you. If you're someone newer, I'd say, might just really settle into listening to how Seidel's offering instructions and then ask questions as, as, you, as it comes up. Okay. Thanks. All right, and I didn't really introduce myself. My name is Alexis uh, Santos, and um, I'm a longtime student of Saidaz. I was I met him in 2003. He, uh, his Saidaz, uh, Shri had just passed away, and so he was kind of in his own. He was still figuring his own way out. It was interesting to see him over these years, 12 years, 13 years now. Um, I really uh, have a wonderful um, gift. He has, it, at his monastery, he is meeting dozens and dozens of yogis every day, and he's been doing that now for 20 years. Um, so he's heard a lot of minds. So don't worry, anything that you're experiencing has been experienced by plenty of people that he's talked with before. Anything that is really real for you, uh, I would just recommend you, to, I'd encourage you to, to be as simple and, and you know, ordinary about it. That's the way he is. You'll, you'll get a flavor if you haven't met him. 
Yeah, he's not, not stiff at all. And I think part of the way he is, is reflected in how he teaches. It's a very open, natural uh, state of, or uh, style of practice. Um, so just to say, um, relax, get some rest, don't try too hard. And um, I guess until we see each other in the morning at nine o'clock, I believe, um, yeah, just kind of get settled in. I'm really happy to to be here and share this time with you, um, as it's needed. If if um, I, I'm willing to, or I'm open to doing individual uh, signups, but it's just as as uh, you are inclined, or if some questions come up, knowing that you're not going to have a chance to have individuals with Sayadaw. Um, so I'm available for that uh, if there's interest. Um, that's about it. Okay. And I, I, I just say, um, I was remembering at the end of the sits, whenever Sayadaw is present in here, it might um, be nice just to allow him to, to leave the hall first, um, give him a, a head start, and then we'll head out after him. Okay. Have a nice, nice rest. And the hall is open if you wish to continue, but um, really try to come refreshed for tomorrow. Okay, good night. <laughs>